All right, if we could get everybody to go ahead and take a seat or walk towards your seats, we're going to go ahead and begin our time of worship this morning. The whole, the whole reason we start like this is because we just want to say welcome. So we're glad you're here. We're glad you chose to be with us, whether you're here in person with us or worshiping with us online. We are, are grateful and glad that you have chosen to be a part of our worship at West Irwin this morning. We have just a few announcements that we want to reiterate and share and encourage you to be a part of this morning. Uh, today from 2 to 3.30 in the parlor uh, across the street, we have uh, a wedding shower for Autumn Van Buskirk and for Peter Neal. And so uh, we want to encourage you to come and, and, and join in that. Um, this Thursday night is our Young at Hearts uh, Thanksgiving meal. And so there is a sign-up sheet for that out in the foyer. If there is, uh, the, with the different things you can bring, if you're coming, that way they can know how many to prepare for. If you haven't already signed up for that, you can still sign up for that today. But that is this Thursday night at 6 p.m. Uh, there is something in your bulletin that I'd, I'd like to explain on behalf of... Uh, uh, Leanna Freeman, who is doing this for us, uh, you'll see on the, I believe it's the third page, there's a blue square, and it's talking about the Jesse Tree Ornament Exchange. Um, it's something that uh, she's attempted to bring here. We've got some people that have signed up for it, but I can tell you that we need more. And so what it, what it is is going from taking out of Scripture the root of Jesse and going through different uh, parts of, of creation all the way through Christ, and we make ornaments to give to each other so that we all end up walking away with this different piece of retelling the story of this time of year. And so if you want to Google what that is, there's also a QR code there, but it is November 16th on a Wednesday night before church from 6 to 6.30. So if that sounds intriguing to you, go take a look at it. Uh, that QR code will send you to a sign-up list where you can go and pick uh, what, from what's remaining. So I just wanted to give that a little bit of explanation since I know you can read that and say, I don't have any trees named Jesse, so I probably am not. This isn't for me, uh, but it is. It, it is for everyone. So take a look at that if that sounds like something that's interesting to you. Uh, two more things real quickly. One is just, uh, man, if you were here this past Sunday night, like, wow. Uh, we had so many people here at West Irwin in that back parking lot and in the youth building and in the Family Life Center. And so the elders have just asked me to share with you how grateful they are, how grateful I am and we are for, for all the help, for all the trunks, for all the people in the kitchen who gave so many hours of their day to just bless the people in this community. You, yes, the people from our church were blessed, but we had somewhere between four and 500 people here. Trunk or treating, throwing balls, screaming, having a great, great evening. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you. Even if you just brought candy, uh, we ran out. So sometimes in, in years past, we had a tub left. There were no tubs. We were picking up candy off the ground to re-gift. It was wrapped. It was still wrapped. <laughs> There's some, some cupcakes still ingrained in the basketball uh, court if you want some of that. But it was a wonderful night. And so just, just thank you. And then finally tonight... Is our, we've been talking about it for several weeks, is our uh, area-wide singing night. And whether we have uh, 50 people here or 150 people here, 
We have a lot of our young men who are helping tonight. We have uh, all of our song leaders are being a part of this evening. And so we just want to encourage you, even if Sunday night isn't your typical time to come back, it doesn't look like what you normally do, we just want to encourage you to come tonight, to come encourage our kids, to come encourage one another. I mean, that is what Paul says in Hebrews chapter 10. It's why we continue to gather together, to push one another towards love and good deeds, to encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. And so as we see that day approaching, as we hope and pray that day will come, any chance we get to encourage one another to stand alongside each other and to worship together is a good opportunity. So tonight, here in the auditorium at 5 o'clock, we want to encourage you to join us. Father, this morning I want to ask you to stand with me as we begin with the reading from God's Word, and then we turn it over in song. Oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. And to him be glory and honor forever. Amen. As I travel
Let's pray together. Holy God, we bow before you today to proclaim that you are the almighty God that created each of us and everything that we can see, touch, taste, use, that we can think of or even imagine. You spoke this world into existence with power and authority beyond what we can understand. Yet you know each of us. You love us and want a relationship with us. We thank you for Jesus, for the life that he lived and for the sacrifice he made so that we can have that relationship with you. Father, we confess that we are weak and sinful people. We do things that we should not do and we don't do things that we should do. So we ask that you forgive us and strengthen us to live a life worthy of your love. As Bill talks today about Ephesians 5, help us, Father, to listen to you. Help us to plant your words of wisdom and instruction deep into our souls and to have the faith and discipline to follow them. Help us to encourage and motivate each other and to walk in your light and service to you. Help us to listen to our family and friends so that we realize where we need to improve ourselves and our relationships with each other. Father, we ask that you would be with many of our family and friends that are sick and suffering. We ask that you be with Eli Hodges and Kim Holt, Steve Denman, Nita Kennedy, Bitsy and Barry, Wayne Berryman, Cody Cagle, Jack and Jessica Rutledge, Michael Shred, Bill Kent, and John Suggs. Father, give them healing, peace, and comfort. Father, we want to thank you for all the many people that do so much work here. Continue to give us a passion of serving others. Give us a spirit of unity to work together. Give us a spirit of forgiveness and bless the works that are done here at West Irwin so that it will glorify your kingdom. Holy God, we pray for our country and our elected leaders because we have wandered so far from your wisdom and teachings. We pray that they will seek the wisdom in your design of the family. Raise up leaders that are honest and trustworthy that will seek your counsel and resist selfish ambitions. We thank you for each person that is worshiping with us today. We pray that our worship will be a blessing to each of them and that it will honor and glorify you. Clear our thoughts of worldly affairs and help us to center our minds on you and your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. To help us prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing Lamb of God. Your only son, no sins to God. 
take a little page out of Bill's playbook today, how I approach the table. You'll know more in a second. Do y'all, do you have a particular song that you prefer to get your mind right, to get it to the garden and to the pain and to the suffering? I actually do, and <clears throat> I thought about it this week after Bill uh, asked me to do this, and uh, I was like, what song do I really like? And my particular song is uh, Night with Edmund Pinion, and it's one of the older ones. I grew up with this, and uh, for, uh, for whatever reason, it's always struck a chord with me and uh, really kind of gets you there and and how much emotion was going on with Christ and how much pain and anguish. And, and so <clears throat> what I'll do is I'll read uh, the words that were written and for the song, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Night with Eben Pinion brooded over the veil. All around was silent, save the night winds well. When Christ, the man of sorrows, in tears, Sweat, blood, prostrate in the garden, raised his voice to God. Now, I thought about it, I was like, Eben Pinion. I don't even know what Eben Pinion means. And some of you didn't either, so. I asked Joanne, I said, do you know what that means? And she goes, Eben, that's dark. I was like, teachers. I said, what's Pinion? Oh, I'm not sure. I said, all right. I said, yeah, you are fifth, seventh grade, so should have got a twelfth grader, right? But anyway, the, dark was, the night was dark and the emotion was heavy, as if the dark wing of a bird. Eben pinion means wings of darkness. Covered the veil. Veil can be another word for valley. Much like a hen would lovingly, tenderly cover the brood of chicks under her wings against harm or threat. Brooded over the veil. Let me read the next stanza. He was smitten for offenses which were not his own, and he, for our transgressions, he had to weep alone. There was no friend with words to comfort, nor hand to help was there. When the meek and lowly, he humbly bowed in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this avenue that you've given us to come together and celebrate the most precious gift. And as we partake of the bread, we understand that this represents Christ's body that he gave for us on our behalf. And we just thank you for that. Forgive us of our sins. Give us a clean heart while we approach your throne at this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
gift of love. They Did I mess up that order, Gary? If I did, I'm sorry. No? Okay. Abba, Father, Father, if indeed it may, let this cup of anguish pass from me, I pray. Yet if it must be suffered by me, thine only Son, Abba, Father, Father, let thy will be done. And thankfully, his will was done. And our Savior has redeemed us from our sins. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen to that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the Lamb that was slain and the blood that is washed our sins away. The idea is it's just not of man. The sacrifice had to be perfect. We had nothing to offer for that. But you did, and you gave us that. We thank you for that. As we take this cup, we will remember it. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes the table, and the elders have set aside this time for an offering. So let's take this time to think about our blessings, all that we've been given.
we have an upcoming election and one of the first topics is always, well, how's the economy, you know? People think with their pocketbooks quickly. Let's pray. Lord, you've blessed this church. You've blessed us as families and individuals. You've given us the gift of Christ, which we can't repay. You've given us gifts of wealth and gifts of jobs and avenues to make the money that really isn't even ours. We're here for a short time. What do we do with that time? Lord, we just want to take a moment and reflect back all the many things that we've been given. And sometimes we ask for things and they're not granted. We don't understand it. But later on, we understand that we've built character from it. Because your plan's always greater than ours. Whether we've got a cottage or a castle, it doesn't really matter in the end. Because we realize when we depart, you're even going with us. And the greater goal's on the other side. So let's take a moment and reflect on this and understand that building up earthly treasures is in vain and, and take our time to give back part of what we owe. We owe it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing Blue Skies while our kids come up for kids' time. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. I want to know how many of you dressed up for Halloween last weekend. Look at that. I believe that's a hundred percent. Now tell me what some of you were. What were you? What were you? A pizza. Perfect. Love it. What were you? What were you? 
Rain. Okay, I'm not sure what that is. A ladybug is the one term that I heard, but I bet you were beautiful, weren't you? What were you? A what? A sail. A cheerleader. Okay, there we go. There we go. What about you? A power ranger. All right. A what? Sub zip. Sub zero, man. I need I need to spend time with my grandkids. That's all I can say. What about you, dear? What were you? Ariel? Yes, one I know. Woohoo! What about you? Spider-Man, another one I know. Well, I know you had fun and you got lots of candy. Now let me ask this. How many of you came to our trunk or treat last week? Look at all those hands. Well done. Good job. What was some of the wonderful little trunks that you went to? Do you remember some of them? What was one? Okay, you had a bean bag and you had to throw it through a little hole, didn't you? How about you? Okay, you had to throw a ball into a box, and I think that was a great big fish, and it was uh, the fish that, yeah, it was pretty hard, wasn't it? And I, and I think Jonah might have been around there hoping that that big fish got all he wanted to eat. What about you? The, the Angry Birds. Yeah, I bet that was a fun one. I saw that one too. One more. What about you? The foot, you threw the football. Ooh, that sounds fun too. And there were animals. We just had a great, big, wonderful time. And I know a lot of the people that came, probably all of you, also came with your family. And you know what? Today, during Mr. Bill's sermon time, we're going to be talking about family and how we like to do things together and we like to love each other and we like to help each other and make sure that as we do that, we try to help each other be more like what Jesus wants us to be. Because just like that song says, Jesus is well and alive today and he makes his home where? In our hearts, that's right. And we want Jesus to always be at home in our hearts and in our families. So let's go to our blast or back to our seats and sing that chorus one more time. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Your attendance cards uh, to the closest aisle. We've got young men that are coming down each aisle to collect those for us this morning. Also, before, before Bill's message to us this morning, let's all stand and sing the greatest commands.
Let me echo what Eric said at the beginning and thank everyone who was involved in our trunk retreat this last weekend. He was not exaggerating the numbers at all, actually. Literally hundreds were here for that, and it was a, a wonderful time of fellowship and fun. Animals, trunks, uh, games, food. There was lots of food. We appreciate everyone who had a part in that and everyone who participated in it. And I hope that you're planning on coming this evening. We just sang a song that our church loves and sings very well. It's a very moving song taken from much of Scripture uh, that calls us to love one another and join in together as we sing His praises. And we're going to be doing a lot of that this evening from 5 to 6. And we've invited all of the area congregations to come as well. I just received a, a message from... Chuck Munoz, our good friend and brother at Shiloh Road, and he said that they have dismissed their small groups tonight and are encouraging their church to meet here uh, with us as well and be a part of this. I know their forest song is coming up in January, a special weekend of singing. And so I'm really looking forward to their being here and others from area congregations and a lot of our folks that are going to be here, uh, a lot of you hopefully this evening at 5 p.m. We have the schedules outside. Hopefully you picked one of those up that's got our songs, and we have many of our young men that are going to be offering up prayers or scripture readings, uh, leading us in singing, uh, and it's going to just be a, a wonderful, encouraging night tonight, and I hope that everyone uh, will come and participate as we gather uh, with our church family to praise our great God, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. You'll leave inspired and encouraged. We're singing some of the newer songs that we know well. We're singing uh, uh, some of the older songs that we haven't sung much at all recently, but we're going to uh, tonight, and I hope that you'll be a part of that. Family is very important. It's very important as a church. It's very important for us as individual families and as individuals to be encouraging to each other as we meet together uh, as a church, and I appreciate uh, what Sean said just a few moments ago about the election. We've been uh, voting and early voting. We've seen all the campaigns. I got bad news for you. Even though the campaign is about to be over, um, Medicare open enrollment is still going on. So <laughs> sorry about that. So there's good news and bad news there, but we certainly want to be prayerful for our nation, for our community, for our states, for our world, and we ask for God's will to be done. And we know uh, that it will. Um, in a family that honors God, all can say this. I am loved and respected. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's our desire for every single family and for every family member. That everyone within that family is able to truthfully and genuinely make that statement. I am loved and respected. This is a special week for Joyce and me and for our family. It's one of those birthday weeks. Her family in San Antonio is huge, as many of you know. She's second oldest of nine kids, and February is the big birthday month for them. Well, this is one of those weeks. The last of April, first of May is big for us, but uh, this is one of those weeks as well because our oldest daughter, Amy, in Maryland had a birthday yesterday. Uh, Joyce has a birthday coming up one week from today, but you did not hear that from me. Um, but she's got a birthday next Sunday. So this is all, you know, family is kind of important all the time, but especially during those special times for anniversaries and birthdays and uh, commemorations of different things. 
within family. And it's important for families to feel loved and respected and for every family member to feel that way. For marriages and families to be faithful in God's sight, they must live in ways that honor marriage, honor each other, and honor God. As we speak today about marriage in the home and family and parenting and uh, childrening, um, husbands and wives, parents and children from Ephesians 5 and 6, I want to I make this statement first of all, and that is that some of our families, some of our individuals as they grow up, they choose not to marry or they choose not to have children or because of circumstances they find themselves in, they can't do that. And we get that, we understand that. And, and, I, and I want you to know that that is a wonderful, absolutely biblical way to honor God with your life. And so uh, we honor you as well. But the Bible does have much to say about husbands and wives and parents and children. As I meet with brides and grooms like I've done recently and am still doing leading up to Peter and Autumn's wedding in January. Shout out to you, Peter. Um, I, I want... You know, I, one of the things I tell them is the Bible doesn't have anything at all to say about a wedding ceremony. It's 100% custom. Nothing in there. I used to think that you opened your Bible, you came to a certain passage that said, Dearly beloved, we're gathered together before God in this company to unite this man and this woman in the bond of holy matrimony who gives us well. No. <laughs> There's nothing there about a ceremony. So I tell brides and grooms, so long as you don't ask me to do anything illegal or unethical, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. It's your wedding. But the Bible has a whole lot to say about marriage and parenting and being faithful as husbands and wives and parents and children. And so we get to talk about some of those things today. The book of Ephesians certainly addresses this. How we're to act in our everyday lives as family. And so first of all, to husbands and wives, the message is simply this, love and respect. That's the message in Ephesians 5. In that very familiar passage at the last half of the chapter uh, that speaks to husbands and speaks to wives. Husbands, love your wives. With two examples given, the way Christ loved the church and the way you love your own body. No one who is healthy tries to harm themselves. And Jesus sacrificed himself and gave himself for his bride, the church. And those are the examples that are given for a husband for how you are to love your wife. And then to the wives, he says, as you know, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The church submits to Christ. Christ is the Savior of the body. And the body is referred to as his bride. And so the wife is called upon to respect her husband and to demonstrate that respect. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. Here's the disclaimer, and we'll say it again when we get to parents and children. This does not justify abuse. This does not justify domestic violence at all. And unfortunately, men, especially particular men, have waved that passage at their wives, nearly hit them with their Bibles with it, to say, see there, you have to submit to me no matter how I treat you. And that is not at all what that's saying. In fact, that is the opposite of what that's saying. That is the opposite of loving your wife the way you love the church. There is never any justification for domestic violence or for abuse. Never, never. Never. 
no matter what else is going on. And many have that in their history and in their past and, and struggle with it and deal with it their whole lives. And, and um, our hearts go out to you. And we're grateful for you. But there is a call for husbands and wives to treat each other with love and respect. And why, why is it that they're different? Well, they're kind of different and kind of not. In verse 21 of Ephesians 5, it says as a kind of a summary statement at the beginning or at the end of the passage it just finished, wherever you want to put it, it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So husbands and wives are told to love each other. Husbands and wives are told to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. We get that. But there, there is a difference between men and women. When God created males, he, uh, humanity, he created the male and female. And even though our culture may be trying to persuade us that's not true, that is true. That is true. And they're different. Some are more different than others, but they're different. They're different. I love this little story. A, a day in the life of a husband and wife, each writing in their journal at the end of the day. This is her journal. Tonight, my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said, nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. When we got home, he just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed. But I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I don't know what to do. Now this is his journal. End of the same day. Rough day. Boat wouldn't start. Can't figure out why. One of those that has to grow on you after a few minutes, right? That, that's really all he said. Husbands are told to love their wives. Wives are told to respect their husbands. And, and why is that? Well, Dr. Emerson Egricks in his book by that name, Love and Respect, shares something in that book that he calls the crazy cycle. And this is what that looks like. On this crazy cycle, you see, without love, she reacts and withholds respect. Without respect, he reacts and does what? Withholds love. You see where this is heading, right? It's the crazy cycle. Egrix writes, my theory says that the wife has a tendency to react in ways that feel disrespectful to the husband. Thus the command for her to respect. And the husband has a tendency to react in ways that feel unloving to his wife, thus the command to him to love. And so you see the, the purpose behind this, and this is, this is God's idea, this is God's teaching in Ephesians chapter 5. And that is that he instructs husbands to give to our wives what they need the most and what seems a little bit unnatural for us at times. Or at least not as important. 
And to the wives, he shows them and he tells them, you need to give to your husband what he needs the most and what doesn't seem quite the highest priority for you, perhaps. This is affirmed by research done by author Shanti Feldhahn, and these references, resources are in the bulletin outline of the sermon that you have with you. She asked men and women, would you rather feel alone and unloved in the world, or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Which would you rather feel, unloved or disrespected? And these are the results of her survey. 74% of the men in the survey, three-fourths, said they would choose to feel unloved rather than disrespected. Consistent with this stat, she shared another result. She reports more than 80% of men, four out of five, said that in a conflict, they were likely to be feeling disrespected. Whereas, she writes, we girls are far more likely to be wailing what? He doesn't love me. (laughs) And the husband doesn't feel unloved at all, but he feels disrespected. Our tendency is to withhold our part until our spouse starts delivering on their part according to our expectations and needs of what that actually means, which, of course, results in the crazy cycle. So in Ephesians 5, what God is calling husbands and wives to be especially focused on are the things that our spouse needs more that we personally may not put at the top of our list. And it's vital that the husband loves the wife in a way that she feels loved. And it's vital that uh, the wives love the husbands in a way that he feels like she respects him. Not just loves him, but respects him. And sometimes that's difficult to understand. And so what do you do? Ask your spouse. (laughs) Ask your spouse. And be ready to hear their answer And not take it personally, but rather learn from it and act accordingly. I love this story of Paul Faulkner, Dr. Paul Faulkner, a former ACU, late ACU professor in the marriage and family and Bible department. Uh, He and Carl Burkeen did all of these marriage enrichment seminars years ago. And one of the things they would talk about is this very thing, how husbands can help their wives and make them feel loved. And so he says, you need to do romantic gestures for your wife. And so while they were in between sessions, one of the husbands in the, in the audience came to him and said, Dr. Faulkner, um, I, I'm not sure I know how to do that. Just what is romantic? And Brother Faulkner thought for a minute and he said, whatever your wife thinks is romantic. <laughs> That's the answer. Whatever she needs so that she feels loved, you do that. And wives, whatever he needs so that he can be assured that he has your respect, not just your love, but your respect, then do that. Do those things. And when you talk about each other, talk about each other in positive ways. That doesn't mean you're untruthful or deceitful. It just means that you don't have to say everything that you're thinking. It's called maturity. It's called being a grown-up. And so decide, I'm going to say things, especially around others, especially around my spouse's family. I'm going to say things about them that build them up. 
And there will be times where we discuss some of those things where we're each failing. And let me just, Joyce is here so she can, you can go back and she'll tell you, oh, he doesn't do any of those things. <laughs> Hopefully we both do some of them. And I think we do. And just, just the, this week, and she didn't see this sermon, but she came up to me and she just said thanks. While we were in the living room watching TV or something, she said thanks for doing the little things that you do. Clean up the cat box, take out the trash, unload the dishes, some, of, some little things like that. And, I, and that goes hundreds and hundreds of miles when we do that for each other. But we need to do that and share that and talk to each other in positive ways and especially talk about each other in positive ways. There's nothing more uncomfortable, I think, for a couple that's out with some other couples and one of the two is just like this. And anything this one spouse says about the other spouse is negative and hurt, hurtful. When we're around other people, we ought to make them feel like we're married to the best person in the whole wide world. And again, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It doesn't mean that there's not work to be done, but we can do it in appropriate ways. Uh, we speak to them in their love languages. Gary Chapman has written the book about the five love languages. Again, you help them feel loved. You help them feel respected. You speak to them in ways they understand. John and Julie Gottman have said, Happily married couples behave like good friends. Their relationships are characterized by respect, affection, and empathy. Happily married couples handle their conflicts in gentle, positive ways. Of course, you're more than friends. You're intimate with that person like you're intimate with no one else, physically but also emotionally. No one else on the face of this earth knows you like that person knows you. But that doesn't mean that you have permission to not treat them with kindness and consideration and love and respect. The song we just sang, The Greatest Commands, it's not just talking about how we treat each other in the church, but it's talking about how we treat each other at home. Yes, I think we need to let our guard down, and that's okay to an extent, so long as our spouse doesn't feel unloved or disrespected. Jerry and Lynn Jones sum it up this way in their uh, relationship seminars. Be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. We shouldn't have to remind ourselves to be kind to our spouse, right? But sometimes that reminder is needed. God's marriages are made up of husbands and wives who honor God in their marriage. And so now let's turn to parents and children briefly. In Ephesians chapter 6, the first four verses, we read what the call is to parents and children. And parents are told to bring up their children with love and discipline and instruction. Children are told to honor their parents in the Lord, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. You know, kids, if you listen to your parents, generally speaking, there are exceptions. Generally speaking, you're, it'll go well with you. Your life will be better if you follow their counsel. And you'll live, long, you'll live longer. So you want to live longer and better? Listen to your parents. Tucker, that's something you can share with the kids maybe every week for a while. I don't know. And again, the disclaimer, that doesn't justify violence. It doesn't justify abuse. What is worse in our society and culture today than a parent who would take advantage of a child simply because they have power over them and abuse them. I can't imagine. There is no justification of that. Whatever else is true, none, zero. 
And we encourage our children to be safe. We encourage our wives to be safe. We encourage our parents, our husbands and wives to do right and to be kind. Parents are told to raise up their children with instruction and children are told to honor their parents. I like this little story. Our six-year-old son, Alex, was looking at a picture of himself when he was one week old. Upon seeing his umbilical cord still attached in the picture, he asked, what is that black thing on my belly button? His eight-year-old sister, Maria, quickly replied, that's your extension cord. (laughs) (laughs) Now see, in a few years, this wireless generation is going to need that explained to them as well. But for now, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And a word to those of us who have raised our children. Our young families are doing the best they can. The very best they can. And they need all of the encouragement and help and prayers and support that we can offer them. Let me ask you this, parents who have no children that you're raising at home right now. When would you rather raise your children? When you raise them? Or now? Today? Probably none of us would say today. But that's when our children and our grandchildren are raising our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And they can't control the culture around them. All they can do is live in it and try to raise independent, loving, faithful, respectful children in the midst of it. They don't need our criticism. They don't need our gossip. They need our encouragement. And they need our prayers. And they need our help. And God expects us, commands us to give that to them. Parents are told to love and discipline their children. Children are told to honor and obey their parents. What does the word discipline mean? It means today what it's always meant. It means to teach. The word disciple means learner. To disciple, to discipline means to teach. And it can be positive and encouragement when things are done well, and it can be negative in punishment when things are not done well. It's all discipline, lovingly instructing a child. Children need to be taught that their choices and behavior have consequences. Jerry and Lynn Jones speak of helping your children uh, face the natural consequences of their decisions at some appropriate level. Obviously, you have a four-year-old and you've told them not to run out in the street. You don't just let them run out in the street and get hit by a car so that they'll learn. That's not what you do. But there may be times where you tell a child, hey, listen, you need to clean your room today, but I want to go to X party tonight. Okay, fine. If you clean your room today, you can go to the party tonight. And then that night... The room's not clean and the child expects to get their way and go to the party. Well, what happens? It's hard. It's delayed gratification. Parents, it is delayed gratification. Because if you're looking for instant gratification, you will say yes every time. (laughs) Because they can make your life miserable like no one else can (laughs) when they don't get their way. But guess what? Sometimes they should not get their way. And you have to pay the price for it. I'm sorry. But that's called being an adult. That's called being a parent. And I think you should say yes as often as you can. But when you need to say no, you say it. And you say it fairly and you say it firmly. 
parents are told to encourage, not embitter their children. And that doesn't mean just helping them to find what their dreams are and reach them. I realize every Hallmark movie these days says follow your heart, but that is not biblical. It is not biblical. I love them. I love them all. I know exactly who the good guy is, the bad guy is. Joyce can tell you in five minutes into the movie what's going to happen. And we still watch it because they're great. But when you hear follow your heart, that is not biblical. You follow whose heart? The heart of God. We help our children to learn and to, and to understand what God's will is, what God's heart is telling them to do. And do that. Do that. Help them to find the appropriate godly dreams and seek them. Train up the child in the way that they should go, Proverbs tells us. Parents are told to encourage, not embitter their children. Who would want to do that? One way parents can do this is by making positive memories, and we saw that in Trunk or Treat. We see that in every activity that we have here. VBS, Leadership Training for Christ, which is just now beginning to kick in uh, for next spring. Our Sunday school, our Bible classes, activities, church activities, singing nights, all of those help make good memories for your children that associate them with the church and with God. And it's important for parents to be able to encourage each other. Joyce and I love looking back on the days when we were raising our children in, um, in Arlington. And we had a group of young adults, much like our We Connected group here and the young families we have here, that we relied on, that we did stuff with, that we were with all the time. We're in each other's homes, had pizza night on Friday nights. We're at someone's house for sandwiches or going out to eat together Sunday nights. And we all knew each other. We all knew each other's kids were horrible. We all knew each other's spouses were horrible. We knew our marriage. I mean, we knew everything. And we loved each other. And we helped each other. And that's what our young families need. And that's what they have if they're connected, if they're involved here in the church with their group. And we should encourage that and provide all opportunities for that to happen. I realize that when our daughters, we have two daughters um, and they're the same age as we are now. <clears throat> um, and they've given us four wonderful grandchildren. But I knew that when our daughters got to be about 10 and 12, that I was going to have to stop preaching on parenting for a while. Because I couldn't do it publicly. Because they knew my children. <laughs> and the same thing goes for preaching about family. We're all imperfect. None of us is perfect. And I love the quote that I saw on someone's Facebook page uh, recently. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. And that's God's idea and God's vision and God's dream for families today. Parents, just remember you're not in this alone. You have a church family that loves you and wants you to succeed, wants your children to succeed. But that includes being faithful. And God is on your side as well. Husbands and wives, here are two things to do this week. Number one, tell each other, I love you because you, and fill it in. I respect you because you, or when you, and fill it in. And do that on a regular basis. Tell each other that. And then secondly, ask each other, what can I do to show you how much I love you? What can I do to show you how much I respect you? And then do that. <laughs> Now, granted, ladies, we men, we're kind of thick-headed sometimes. It takes us a while to really get things. 
So hang in there with us. Don't give up on us. Ask each other that and then do that. And when you need counseling, when you need outside help, please go get it. Joyce and I have been to counselors before. It is a, it is a wonderful thing. And there are wonderfully qualified counselors that come from a perspective of biblical faith. Here in Tyler and in, the, in any area really. And by all means... Get the help you need, whether it's talking to a trusted friend or church leader or a professional, do that. Whatever it takes, your family is worth it. Your health is worth it. Our first and best witness in the world related to the home is to have good families. Again, not perfect families. Not a perfect wife or a perfect husband. Not perfect children, not perfect parents. But good. A good family. What a great witness that is is. I love uh, one of our good friends in Arlington, Texas, who was raising their kids the same time we were raising ours. We all had teenagers, and she told me one time, Bill, we put the fun in dysfunctional. (laughs) And I love that. I love that. Again, there's a point in time where you get to a level and you say, okay, this this is more serious than that, and get help. But all of us have a little bit of dysfunction in our families. We put the fun in dysfunctional. We want to be a church of families where each person can say, I am loved and respected. With husbands who love their wives the way Christ loved the church, who give themselves for their bride just as the Lord gave himself for the church. Wives who choose to respect and genuinely seek to build up their husbands. Children who are taught to be obedient to their parents and respectful to all in authority. And parents who encourage and build up their children. Homes and families where each one can say, I am loved and respected. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our prayer. And if in your life we can help you feel that way, come as we stand. Sing our song together.
mansion over the hilltop, and then we'll have a closing prayer. I'm satisfied Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, how great Thou art. We thank You, Father, for the knowledge that we have that You created everything. You know, You knew us before we were. We confess our sins to You because we are sinners, and we're so grateful for Your grace. We're thankful, Father, for the blessings of this life, the blessing to be here today, to have this wonderful congregation to express ourselves to you in songs and in worship to you. We're so grateful for the blessings of this life, and we thank you, Father, for the privilege we have of coming to you in prayer and asking you to help those that are sick, comfort those that are Anxious by sending them your spirit. And Lord, help us to remember who we are as we leave this place. We pray, Lord, that you would protect us and guide us. And as we come in contact with those people we know this week, help us to be an example to them in a way that would encourage them to want to be in your kingdom. This prayer we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.